bizarre sex practices from around the world. Are they really that bizarre? Today, we're taking a look at culture and sexuality. Maybe after this, you'll wish you were from somewhere else. If you're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA, I'm A. Hey guys, thanks for being with us tonight. So, T can't be with us. She is out gallivanting around the country. Um, and it's just too crazy with the time differences. So you get me tonight. Um, and I have been away and I appreciate your patience while I've been out of town. Um, it, yeah, we had a death in the family and um, my sister-in-law passed away suddenly. But um, I don't know, it's strange. With with death comes beauty and healing, oddly. And it was a really magical time to be with the family. And everything's okay. So um, I uh, am here on the phone, actually. I myself uh, am on a trip to Tijuana (laughs) to get some dental work done. Um, Don't worry, I'm in safe hands. I I know the the doctor, it's all good, so don't worry. But I do have something really interesting to share with you. Um, I've been doing some research for a project, and I had to research some bizarre or different uh, cultural sex rites around the world and different cultural practices. And I was astounded by what I found. And when I was reading through these, I'm like, wow, these are really not that bizarre. I mean, yes, they're bizarre for us Americans, but I feel like we could really benefit by maybe bringing some of these into our culture. I think maybe I'm super out there, but I want to share them with you. And please, let me know what you think. Uh, T and I would love to hear from you. So you can go to our website at pbwitha.com. Please leave us a voicemail. It's super easy to do. Uh, you can also email us and you can also tweet us at TA Sex Talk. But I would really like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, okay, so I'm just going to jump right into this. Um, okay, so the first one that I thought was really, really interesting was that Krung tribe in Cambodia builds a love hut for their teenage girls so that they can spend one night with one boy and even the day, I think, if they want to. And then the next night they can spend with a different guy and the next night with a different guy until they find their match. And then once they find this perfect guy for them, then they're with them for life and they, you know, marry and all that. But it's a really interesting practice. It's a love hut for teenage girls that they can find their sexual match. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to build a love hut for my teenage daughter. I think it's a healthy approach. Instead of trying to keep your teenager away from having sex and whatnot, it's like, hey, go, explore, find what fits. Don't worry about the premarital thing. Go figure it out. Find your right match. And then, and then, uh, yeah, peace be with you. Have many babies. I mean, there's a million reasons why that doesn't work here, but I don't know. I I I I appreciate the approach and the attitude of openness and embracing sexuality for uh for young people. So there's that love huts. Um next there's the wife stealing ritual that is held in the Udabi tribe. Um, every year. So here's the thing. So in the Wujabi tribe, you're married off when you're an infant. So infants are paired up together, married off, 
But the caveat is that every year they've got this wife's killing ritual where the men dress up in, you know, headdresses and they put all this different makeup on so they're in disguise. And then they have an opportunity to steal or seduce the another woman. So my question is, it was not quite clear to me how interactive this is. Like, is it like, do the women actually have a say? Are they really being seduced? Or is it more like, if you can get away with uh, getting this girl, you know, like if it's really like some kind of thieving away kind of thing, but I don't think so. I think it's more like, if you can steal away from the tribe together, the male dancer and the female and the girl that's being seduced, if you can manage to get away from the tribe undetected, then it's a recognized union and your previous union becomes null. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we need to be having wife-stealing rituals here, but I I think it's really interesting. It's like, okay, well, we're going to marry you off really young, but not really. Like, you have all these opportunities to go with someone else throughout your whole entire life. So, if you can, can you imagine if marriage only lasted one year? I feel like that would be kind of difficult. I mean, you'd be having kids with all these different people, but I guess if you live in a community in a tribe setting like that, it kind of would be really strengthening for the tribe. Paternity really wouldn't be an issue. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. That's all I'm saying. Um, okay, here's another one I really like. In Indonesia, I'm not sure where exactly in Indonesia, it wasn't clear, but in Indi- Indonesia, you can have sex outside of marriage during a pawn celebration. And the thing with a pawn celebration is there are seven of them every year. So it's considered good luck, actually, if you sleep with the same person all each of the seven times within the year. And it's actually considered unlucky if you don't sleep with someone outside of your marriage. I think we're onto something here. Honestly, I feel like this is a very safe place to practice non-monogamy and for uh, married couples to have each, you know, the men and the women get to partake in this and you basically get a wild card or a hall pass seven times a year. That's a lot. That's like every other month, a little bit less. I mean, that's a lot of, that's like, you know, okay, a month and a half and then you get to look forward to your little dalliance and then another month and a half, you know, you get a break. I said, really keep your marriage spiced up I feel like it's safe because you know the rules. You know that you're always going to return to your marriage. And it's very, it's like, you know, there are rules, there are boundaries. It's it's contained. It's not, uh, so there's something about that that makes it feel safer if you're going to, you know, be doing, trying the whole, you know, kind of open thing. Something to think about. Honestly, this one is the one that's top on my list for things that could actually be implemented. Uh, and and could be really interesting. I, so I, I'm going to start a Facebook group so that anybody who wants to do pawn celebration, I'm not married, but if I were, <laughs> um, that's where I will be. So <laughs> you can look us up there. Uh, okay. So the next one, I think, I, I think we've all heard something like this before. It's not super new. But in Mangia, older women have sex with boys at the age of 13 to show them the wonderful ways that they can please a woman. Now, I've known 
two men, one was from France and one was from Italy, and probably that's no surprise, where their their fathers literally took them to a prostitute to uh, for to de-virginize them. And I thought that you would only hear about that in movies, but it was real. And, and honestly, they were very appreciative. They thought it was great. They had a great experience. And it was wonderful. The women were very caring with them and whatnot. Okay, so the fact that this is a prostitute and in Mangia, they're not. They're just older women who are there to school the, these young boys. Okay, fine. I mean, money is a separate issue. But the fact that you've got women who are in a position where they know what they're doing, they have experience, and it's not considered, you know, it's not considered, you know, taboo for an older woman, much older woman to be with a young kid who's, you know, underage, obviously. I think this is the way to go for sex ed. Honestly, I would way, way, way more appreciate if the men that I grew up having sex with, um, and, or, you know, early in my adult, in my young adulthood, if they had learned from an older woman, I would have been having great sex way earlier on in my life, probably. No, I'm not blaming all the men. There's a lot I had to learn, too. True. But I'm just saying it would have helped the whole equation just a little bit more, rather than having the guys, especially here in America, be learning most of the time from porn. That's a huge difference. And this is one of the, our pet peeves here at Pushing Boundaries, where T and I hate, hate, hate the whole lack of sex education here in America. And I feel like this is a very positive way to help this situation out. I mean, I'm thinking that you could like, this could be a very good, I don't know about business, but you know, you hire, you hire therapists for your family. What if you hired like a sexual surrogate or a sexual mentor for your young kid or for your preteen or your teen? It's a safe place for them to really learn what they're doing with someone who's a mentor, older kind of person. It's not some, you know, other peer that's, you know, doing God knows what or out doing drugs or, you know, drinking at a party or something. I mean, who's to say that they're not going to do that as well, but I don't know. I think there's something really interesting about this, and I feel like there's a lot of potential. If you're against me, tweet us, TA Sex Talk, send us an email, go to our website, pbwithta.com, leave me a voicemail. We want to hear. But I think, I think that's pretty, I don't know, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, in Africa, there's a lot of these tribes that are in Africa, actually, but <laughs> um, in Africa, there's the Muria tribe from Chattisgarh. I think I'm saying that right. They are encouraged to practice sex, to practice unattached sex when they're adolescents, actually. So there's these dormitories where uh, the young, both co-ed, co-ed dorms, and they are encouraged to have lots of sex and to not get emotionally involved. And I'm kind of torn on this, to be honest. I think that there's some real power in, you know, being allowed to just go out and practice the act without any, with you know, without a lot of weight, without 
without uh, the expectation of a relationship or love or something like that. Like it's a safe place to simply hone your skills (laughs) and um, learn how to be sexually open and and learn what you like and all of that. And and that's wonderful. Um, I think um, it's interesting that that they encourage like, no, don't get emotionally attached. We want you to be liberated and free and um, jump around because you're going to need different partners to learn all different kinds of things. It's interesting. Um, I do worry that if you've got young kids who are, I mean, their brains are still developing and it's their first sexual encounter. So if you have, you know, several years of, of, and, you know, being encouraged to be intimate without emotional attachment, I wonder if that would set a certain tone for the rest of their lives. Like, would it be very difficult for them to be emotionally engaged or involved later in life? That would be my concern with that one. But uh, I have a lot of friends who uh, heard about this one, and they uh, uh, and they were all for it, mostly the men. <laughs> but I think that's because there's, I think here in America, there is a lot of expectation around, you know, when you have sex with someone. At least all the guys seem to think so. They can't seem to find women who are really genuinely okay with the casual, you know, casual sex. So that's my try. That's my uh, my list of these bizarre sex rights, quote unquote, bizarre sex rights around the world. That I don't know if they're really that bizarre. I think, you know, I think we have something to learn. And and I try to. It was fun to kind of imagine. What if I came from one of these cultures? What kind of effect would that have on my life now? I mean, if I was taught from a very young age to embrace sexuality and that sexuality was a normal part of me, it was the normal part of my life, and it's something to be encouraged and honored and respected versus... uh, I feel like something I battle with, and and I'm not alone, but Americans, there's a lot of shame around sexuality. We're taught to hide it. We're taught to conserve it. We're taught to conceal it. And so the idea of of coming from one of these cultures where it's so uh, embraced, I feel like I would be such a more empowered person. And so that is why I feel like there's really value in seeing what the rest of the world is doing. And maybe it isn't so bizarre and crazy. And maybe we could adopt some kind of similar practice. Anyway, let me know what you think. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm A, sadly, T, we miss you. Come back. We love you. Uh, and uh, we'll get back on track, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. 